Time to Value, the Gartner Marketing and Product Management Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Time to Value, the Gartner Marketing and Product Management Podcast. Each month, we'll be covering a topic of importance and interest to the marketing or product management professions, led by and involving our own experts in the field. Today's session is focused on the opportunities and risks that generative AI technology poses for product managers. I'm your host for today's episode, Cliff Gilley, Vice President Analyst with Gartner for Product Teams, and I'm joined by Craig Lowry, also a Vice President Analyst in our product management practice. Interest in generative AI technology reached a fever pitch this summer and has become one of the most active topics of discussion and interest with our clients, especially product managers. There's a lot of opportunity here, isn't there, Craig? There's tons of opportunity. I don't think anyone doubts that. But the market opportunity isn't just about building and selling generative AI. So many inquiries around what's the size of that market? How do I sell Gen AI? It's really about selling faster and more successful business outcomes using generative AI as an innovative part of the solution. So one of the things I do in my work, I'm sure you do too, Cliff, as you're taking inquiries and working with clients, is explaining what those opportunities are. And then there's also the side, kind of the dark side of it too. What are the threats that come from this? And there are quite a few that product managers need to think about. And I, I think that's probably the, the area we want to cover in today's podcast, both of those. Yeah, it seems like some of the first conversations that we had were with our clients were all about this is new and great and how can I add this to my product and how can I make it work? But there was less focus, and this troubled me quite a bit, about actually solving a problem. It was more about chasing the technology. Do you think that that's changed over the past, say, six months or so? It is changing. I don't think it's completely run its course. There's still a lot of pop-up how do I get in on this? What's the market direction? What do I need to say to my customers to get them to buy? What do I need to build to get them to buy? But I do think people are starting to come around to the fact that it's not magic. It does require time and planning, and there really needs to be a core value proposition behind why you want to put generative AI into a product plan. So we're maturing in our understanding of it. The market's maturing in its expectations of what we can do with this technology. I still think we have a ways to go, though. We're still kind of in that early limerence phase where Gen AI can do no wrong as long as you're aligned with it and you've got it on your marketing. So we are seeing a shift, I think, in the discussions both online and, and with clients toward more of an, an understanding that there are just as many risks as there are benefits to generative AI and, and different approaches involving the technology. What do we think the product managers should do to address these questions and, and the risks that are posed by the technology? Well, I think the first thing is you need to be honest about it and, and acknowledge that there are risks. When customers bring this up, it's not because they are just sort of wondering. They really are seeing evidence, and they're certainly seeing a lot of news, and reports, and hearsay about what the downsides of this kind of technology are. So I think it's important to acknowledge it, to show that you are aware of the potential problems with it, and to show that you've got a plan for dealing with those, for managing around that risk. For, I really think as a product manager, what you should be showing in the products that you're, you're planning and that you're bringing to market is that you certainly understand that side of it and that your products are built in a way to avoid or at least diminish the likelihood that those kinds of risks could be realized. 
So one of the things that I, I've noticed in, in my conversations with product managers is pressure from others in the organization to adopt generative AI, either because it's a hot topic, so we have to have something coming from the marketing side, or, hey, this is going to reinvigorate lost opportunities from the sales organizations, or even you know direct feedback from executives who are you know, hearing and seeing these topics discussed in various forums uh, and getting excited, maybe rightfully so, maybe not, um, but all of these points of pressure are coming down on product managers. How does a product manager respond uh, to these to these pressures, and and in a way that that really, I guess, uh, addresses the desire, but not necessarily just jumping on the technology bandwagon? Yeah. Well, I mean, you you have a thoughtful response. Obviously, it's something you need to think about. I wouldn't commit to just saying, yeah, I'll get some Gen AI on the roadmap just to appease. Yeah, really, some, some product managers do. They feel like they're forced into that by their marketing counterparts because if they don't show that they are pushing to take advantage of the opportunity that's in the market now, which is mostly the buzz and the hype around it, that uh, they're going to be seen as missing the opportunity or causing the, the whole organization, the whole business to miss that opportunity. I think the best way to approach it is, again, to show thought, to show um, an understanding, and to be more of a thought leader inside of the organization. Instead of simply aligning to say, marketing wants us to do some Gen AI, we've got to get a feature in. To start with the customer story, what is it that you're going to make better in your product when you apply generative AI. Not for the sake of applying generative AI, I know that this is kind of in service to doing that because you want to check a box that people are expecting you to check, but don't just check that box unless you've got something real. Another consideration too is, um, certainly our marketing compatriots want us to go out the door with some Gen AI to, to help position our product and our company as being aligned with the times, but there are so many opportunities to apply this technology internally to how we develop products that can even make the product better without the customer directly seeing the Gen AI. It's important that product managers not lose sight of how generative AI can improve their own practices. So I would go back to marketing counterparts with, we are uh, approaching this with a balanced investment in generative AI to make our own capabilities better and more innovative and to pay that forward or bring that forward to customers so that they can see it in our products and then also deploy generative AI more directly using our product in their own business. So it's a balance I think you need to strike. Yeah, it seems to me one of the areas that I've always focused on as a product leader and product manager, describing to people what are the risks, what are the potential costs for something new or something interesting or something potentially innovative. And, you know, we've heard a lot of the, you know, risks of Gen AI taking your job or, or you know, AI overlords taking over the world, right? You know, we're not yet to the point of building terminators to wander the streets, but there are some real risks out there. And, and I think product managers should better understand and be able to communicate those risks back to the stakeholders. So it's not, you know, viewed as just a, you know, a no, we're not going to do this. It's like, it's a calculated, you know, to say to what you said, a considered point of view. What are what are a few of those specific risks that we as product managers can take back to the stakeholders and say, look, you know, this isn't a, a zero day solution. This needs to be planned out and thought through. You know, what I'm most worried about is uh, the problems surrounding data provenance, getting the right data, getting accurate data. And I think people are pretty 
consistent in their understanding that if you have poor quality data, like just inaccurate, that that's going to contribute to poor models. What's more difficult to manage, and I think where product managers may get tripped up, is in the source of that data and do they actually have rights to use it. Some data sets might be easy to obtain, but just because you can get them doesn't mean you're you're legally able to use them in building a product. So anytime that you pull data into a model that uh, you don't have access to and you, you fold that into the model, it becomes part of the model. It's like mixing salt into a recipe. You're not going to get it back out. That model is pretty much tainted at that point. And uh, you might have to start over or make some other uh, changes to how you're building the solution to uh, get around the fact that you you had data, tainted data in the, in the training data set. So data provenance, I think, is the most important thing to consider. Uh, other problems that I see people having with this may be products that are a little too brittle, um, meaning they don't know when they don't know. And this is a, a core problem with machine learning that we've had since the 80s when I started studying it. <laughs> I'm dating myself, but yeah, it's been that long since we've been studying it. And this has always been a problem. And that is machine learning models that tell you with authority that this is the case, but it's not. And we see that with so-called hallucinations. So I think people are aware of that as a problem, balancing the creativity of a, of a generative model with the accuracy of that model. And choosing that balance is going to be important and based on the use case. So choosing the right balance of creativity, because it's that creativity. Sometimes the hallucinations are good. They're things that, that uncover a data point in a search space we may not have ever seen before and would never have seen had we not let the model go a little crazy. So understanding that balance, getting that right, I think that's a potential problem that you could trip on. Um, creating products that customers could misuse for malicious or unethical purposes. This is always the case with technology. When you put it on the market, you might bring something out that uh, you certainly intend for people to use for good purposes but they could be misused. And what is the liability for your company in potentially enabling that? The cost of generative AI when you start doing training and inferencing is infrastructure heavy. There's a lot of compute and certainly a lot of storage for building the, the data sets that you train with as well as the corpus that you um, create through the training. So you might be introducing some unsustainable costs into the cost structure. In other words, if it doesn't require generative AI to do it, don't. Just do it a simpler way because it's probably cheaper. You don't, and if you are going to use Gen AI, you, you've got to become really good at getting those costs down and optimizing. So I've been hearing stories from those who are developing these types of solutions that uh, they start with dollar and a half per inquiry going into one of these models and trying to get that down to sub-penny. That takes a lot of work and takes uh, experience. So go slow there. Be sure that you understand what the costs are and you've got a plan for getting those costs down. I think the last one is letting those models go stale. You train a model, it does a great job. You put it out in the market, but you don't have a good plan to keep it up to date because the data probably needs to be refreshed on a weekly, maybe daily basis. Depends on the use case. That's got to be factored into your operations. It's got to be factored into... Uh, the product management has got to do this on a on a regular basis. So that refresh becomes something that 
sits between operations and product management and figuring out how that's going to work in this highly dynamic environment could become a tripping point for those organizations that aren't ready for it. Well, those make a lot of sense. We've talked a lot about generative AI from the product manager delivering value to a customer perspective, but there's probably also some ways that product managers themselves can benefit from generative AI. You know, things like low-code, no-code solutions, hyper-automation solutions, um, even some of the the applications that product managers use on a daily basis, like roadmap planning or um, user testing solutions, are starting to use some of these generative AI technologies in addition to exist other, you know, older AI and ML models. What do you think from a perspective of where product managers should be looking to increase their own efficiency and their own capabilities within the organization? Just about anywhere you look, there is a potential opportunity to apply Gen AI. Kind of go back to what I previously said, be sure it's worth it before you just, you know, aim and shoot with it. But I think what product managers could really take advantage of with generative AI is um, in building software, especially software is a key component now to most tech products. And there's been such a dearth of cloud native development capabilities and skills, for example, really hard to find, uh, really good developers, hard to come by. A lot of investment has been made in those. Rather than continuing to pursue, trying to find army of developers, product managers will benefit if they go down the path of taking advantage of those low-code, no-code solutions. I really think as these uh, models become more trained to create solutions that are specific to industries or use cases, uh, you won't need as many developers. That can speed up your time to value, time to market, certainly, building things more quickly. The boilerplate coding capabilities, those are certainly things that you can hand over to one of these uh, generative AI coders. Outside of the coding, there are other strategic capabilities that you can use generative AI for. Consulting models that have been observing customer usage, for example. If you're reporting back, and most uh, products do now report back to a core database uh, metrics and uh, other types of uh, observations of how customers are using the product, looking for opportunities in the usage of the product. Are there typical problems customers have or response times in certain areas of the product when they're using it aren't what they should be or customers seem to be stumbling around in the UI. I think that's the opportunity that product managers have for uh, doing improvement. And certainly we've been capturing that data and using it for this purpose for quite some time. But having generative AI where you can ask it the question based on the observations you've seen, uh, what is the most difficult area of the product's navigation that customers are exhibiting as they use it. That, those kinds of things where generative AI construct a plausible explanation as to why the data is what it is. I think that's going to be really key to identifying customer experience problems and driving better performance. You could look at other aspects of being a product manager just in how you manage your team. Those kinds of things are going to be... Uh, not specific to product managers. Many roles could benefit from those kinds, kinds of capabilities, uh, but you want to bring those in and use those as well as product managers. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One of the terms we've recently coined here in our research is, is speed to insight as a measure of, of the efficiencies that product managers can gain from not just generative AI, but you know other tools in general. But 
the summarization capabilities that generative AI adds to a large data set, whether that's product analytics, whether that's user experience research, whether that's you know outsourced uh, through through applications, user testing, and things like that, I think that's going to be a critical component of this to to move the product manager to where they can more easily leverage that data to make strategic decisions versus you know, reacting to in the moment, you know, customer outages where customers can't do X or Y or Z. It's going to give them that view of much, a more holistic view of what's really important to their products and to their customers. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind, generative AI, the, the reason it's kind of magical is it is able to identify data points in a search domain that we otherwise wouldn't come across unless it was uh, by accident or by manual observation. It's it covers a lot of ground really quickly and can zero in on interesting data points, like you said, usage or uh, the ways that customers navigate a product. So I think that's uh, that's probably the biggest internal opportunity Gen AI would, would bring to product managers. So there's definitely a lot of ground to cover with this. And, and we talk about all of these topics in depth with our clients. We've got a lot of research that's been published around generative AI. But for those folks listening today, you know, can we boil this down to like three recommendations that they can take and, and start working with if they're interested in the generative AI space and how they can leverage it as a product manager? Uh, the three, it's always in threes. So <laughs> the first thing I would put on my list of three, if I had to have three, was to keep a balance of opportunity and risk. We've been emphasizing opportunity, opportunity, and that's great. Sometimes people get on the risk side and go all out on the risk and how we need to avoid this because it could have unseen, unforeseen um, negative impacts. I mean, it's good advice to keep balance, but it's really important with generative AI because it can be a polarizing topic to, to show that you have balance in it, that you're not overly opportuni opportunistic with it or overly risk averse. I think that's key. Number two on my list of three, um, don't undervalue the importance of data and model quality. I mentioned this earlier. Be sure the data that you use is yours or that you have legal access to it. Certainly the quality of it, is it accurate? Is it reflective of reality? Because you don't, even if it's yours, if it is skewed, then you may get a biased model. and That's not good. You want a model that really reflects reality because you're, you're trying to identify data points in that domain, uh, which are a solution potentially for you. So be really careful with data, make sure you're managing it well, that it's fresh and that it's got some really good data engineering around it. Carefully move to adopt new tools. This is number three. There's gonna be so many new capabilities that are gonna come out with the Gen AI smiley face. And all of these tools we've been using to do development, for example, every one of these IDEs, every one of these pipelines, all of these tools are gonna suddenly have a Gen AI um, capability added to it. And they're gonna be touted really heavily by the providers of them. So there's a lot of due diligence to do. I would move slowly. Um, there certainly could be a lot of potential benefit with these new tools, but keep in mind, they're gonna be changing a lot over the next year to two years. And if you get too deep into one of them now, um, talk about lock-in. This would be a bad type of lock-in, not because you'd be beholden to a particular vendor, but because somebody may come along and just completely blow out of the water what they've done. It's evolving that quickly. There may just be an orders of magnitude better way to do what that Gen 1 tool does. So sample, add, use as you kind of see fit. 
but uh, I wouldn't get too deep in on any particular tool chain or, or evolution of a tool until things just start to settle, which may not be until next year or the year after that, uh, as quickly as things are changing. But yeah, those are my three. Keep a balance. Don't undervalue the importance of data quality and move carefully to adopt new tools. How's that? Well, thanks. That's great. Like you say, this is such a rapidly changing space that I'm sure what we're talking about now will be outdated as well in six months or so. But we'll, we'll come back and revisit it uh, and see where we're at at that point. Yeah, that gives us an opportunity to have another podcast, right? Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for your insights, Craig. For listeners, if you enjoyed this month's episode, we want to encourage you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Um, share it with others. If you're a current Gartner subscriber, you can find this and more podcasts on Gartner.com. And if you're not, we'd love to have you join us. But you can also find our podcasts on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most other podcast platforms. We hope you'll come back for our next episode where our marketing host, Todd Berkowitz, will be discussing 2024 marketing planning with analysts Christy Ferguson and Jen Singleton. Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations. 